0: Please note, if you're listening to this, you must be 18 years of age or older. This podcast contains adult themes and may include descriptions that listeners could find offensive. Thank you. Well, hi everybody who's listening in to KNP. I'm on vacation right now, but gee, still wanted to put out an episode this Friday and still needed me to record a quote. So, I hope that you enjoy the sound of the wind, and my voice, as I walk along the beach.
1: Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. This is episode 12. This is G. This is M. And we're here to talk about kink and social media.
0: Yep, we are kink and and social media. That
1: is a super enthusiastic M, there, folks,
0: because Mm -hmm. M did not want to do this topic. I really didn't, but it was G's turn to pick the topic, and so I agreed. It was my turn to pick the topic, and in fact, I compromised on the topic,
1: because initially I wanted this episode to be about FetLife only, and M was like, could we please not?
0: Yes, and there are really good reasons why I was like, can we please not?
1: Yes, there are, and I'll be happy to go over them later in the episode. But I think the first thing that I would like to say is... I think it's obvious to our listeners that M and I want to keep, well, specifically me, G, wants to keep things somewhat anonymous. And it is okay to want to be anonymous in the kink world.
0: Of course. Yes, it is totally okay to want to be anonymous.
1: And it's okay to want to be somewhat anonymous when it comes to being kinky, polyamorous, transgender, or some combination of all of them.
0: Or queer, or whatever you want to be. Yeah,
1: because these things can, being out about these identities can have negative impacts to your life.
0: They can absolutely have a negative impact on your life, even if that is grossly unfair.
1: Yes. So, I think the main reason why Em and I use initials and keep this podcast to be somewhat anonymous is because... I do not want to be fully out as kinky, polyamorous, transgender, queer, and whatever else while I'm talking about all the stuff that we talk about on this podcast. You know, I want some distance so that if a future employee tries to Google my name for a job. Future employer? Yes. If a future employer Googles my name to try to. For while I'm applying for a job, they do not see this stuff, uh, which could negatively impact my chances of getting that job. I think M is a little bit more open.
0: Yeah, and that's an active choice that I've made. I'm pretty open in terms of all three of these things that, you know, being kinky, being polyamorous, and being trans slash queer. I'm pretty open about all of them. I'm not as open about being kinky in the same ways, because there are third-party consent considerations to take into account there. But if, you know, someone wants to talk about it, I don't try to keep hush hush I'm like, yeah, we can absolutely, you know, talk about it, and I'll be open about it. So I am more open, and I was very drawn to being out, especially around kink, because I had read up that, you know, actually there's a lot of people that are, are, that can be discriminated and are discriminated against because they are out about being involved in kink or their employer hears something about them being involved in kink. And Mm -hmm. so it is a risk and people are discriminated against for participating in kink. And even if so, like there are LGBTQ protections in, in some states Yes. Um. Not in all of them in terms of workplaces. Uh, but even in the ones where there are LGBTQ protections, that doesn't save you. People still do.
1: And also, there, there are no legal... Being kinky is not a legally protected class right. in any way, shape, or form. Right. So if an employer decides they do not want a kinky person to be a part of their company or brand, then it is entirely within their right to fire you for that reason.
0: Unless you have
1: a really weirdly worded employment contract with them.
0: Yeah, so I feel like the reason that I felt a little bit more comfortable being out was actually in response to that. It was like, I was like, if people are going to discriminate against me because of this, then probably I don't want to be working for them anyway. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the attitude that I've taken. And not everybody has to take that attitude. It's more about me. I feel comfortable taking the risk to stand up for people in my sort of situation. And I understand that that, yeah, that's totally a risk. Uh, Not everybody has to do it. Not everybody should do it.
1: And there are also levels of openness. Like, I am fairly open to my friends at this point about all my various identities. I am not as open with my identities to my family. And as our listeners now know, I am very not open to people who know me on social media. So it is up to everybody to decide for themselves what level they want to be open about these various identities and that's a choice that nobody should try to force on you that should be a choice that you make for yourself
0: I do also want to touch on something here before we get into the actual social media piece because this is something that came up recently in my life now I'm very active in the kink scene or at least I was for you know a while and now I'm very busy with school so I don't have that much time to dedicate to the kink scene But you know, the kink scene makes up one of my biggest identities. I'm really into kink, and I really love educating people about kink, and I've taught, you know, at various events. I boot black and raise money for charity, and I I love donating my time and energy and resources to kink events, and I teach people rope, but, you know, it's a really big part of my identity, but I'm very cautious to bring it up, especially with new friends. Um, when i'm not really sure and so i had this situation happen where getting to know new friends at school and eventually the topic sort of naturally came up and we were able to gauge each other's interest in being willing to talk about the topic and i was very clear about like hey are you comfortable with me talking about this thing around you and you know later this person thanked me they said I'm really grateful that it took us a while getting to know each other before you brought Kink up, especially knowing how involved you are in the scene. And I was like, what? Like, are people just, like, bringing this up? But yes, especially people who are, like, really new in the Kink scene. It's very new. It's very exciting. Or people who make it part of their lives where it's a big thing. They just want to mention it to everybody. Because it's, like, so exciting. It's so cool. Like, so... While I do want us to move forward as a society in terms of being more progressive, more sex positive, more kink positive, I'm all about that, Mm -hmm. still we have to acknowledge that not everybody is going to be at that same page, and everybody has different sensitivities. We need to consider all of these factors. So, even though I am out with all of these things, and I'm more out on social media than other people, I still like to... Get a consensus from people that I'm around and see, you know, what are they comfortable with, especially in terms of the kink part.
1: This actually reminds me, and I may edit this out, but since it doesn't have much to do with our topic, but this actually reminds me of that friend of yours that brought their new partner over. Oh, yes. And we made the assumption because between M and myself and M's partners and this. And your friend Yes, my friend. We're all kinky. Yep. And all poly we're all familiar with polyamory. And we all just assumed that your friend's partner was also
0: Well no I didn't assume. I had asked ahead of time. You know, like I okay. was told that this was a kinky poly partner of this person. Okay. And that's what they were under the assumption of based on what their friend told them. So, basically, he had the partner. Yeah. He told my friends, I have this new partner, Kinky Polly. Then they told me, he has a new partner, Kinky Polly. I'm yeah. like, cool. So, we invite, you know, so we start talking about it. And, yeah, go ahead. And, you know,
1: we're going through the night. You know, we're talking about different things. I think knife play come, comes up at one point, And I think you were the first one to notice of, like, the partner being kind of uncomfortable yeah and you and i'm glad you noticed and you asked 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 her about it it was she she right yeah you asked her about it and she was like well you know i'm not i'm actually very new to all this and i'm not entirely comfortable talking about this and we were all kind of taken aback of like well one we were surprised it kind of took her this long to, like, speak up, because we had been talking about this for a while. Like, we, had been, we were, like, an hour deep into this discussion. And also, we were like, why didn't your friend, her partner, say anything? He was the one... He? He. He was the one who was essentially, like, kind of bringing her into the scene. So, he's the one who should be trying to help her, like, set boundaries. And it was, we were all, I think, very taken aback.
0: Yeah, it was very miscommunicated to everybody because we thought, well, I mean, I didn't even know her and this is my first time meeting him. And so he was friends of my friends. And yeah, he had just, mis- I guess he did not communicate really that she was so new. Yeah. To, and then it got passed down that, oh, she's just yeah. open about being kinky and poly. So, you know, it's good to look out for those signs of, oh, somebody is, you know, not there so we were able to switch topics and we were able to go on a different track so that was good
1: for yeah. sure but yeah it's it's definitely an issue i think when you're like new to the scene you've got that new kink energy and you're like i am just a kid in a candy shop absolutely yeah and I, my mind is constantly being blown about all these things that i thought were impossible but now no, i know yeah, are possible actually real And, yeah, it can be an issue for people who, like, try to make kink like their sole primary identity and nothing else. Right. Because, you know, it's hard to talk about anything else when you have no other identity to fall back on.
0: Right. Um, And I know that you just said that you might edit this part out, but actually I think this is a really good part to keep in. Okay. Well,
1: uh, we'll we'll see how it goes.
0: Okay. Maybe we'll use it for another episode. Yeah.
1: But I think the first thing I want to talk about when it comes to kink in social media... Is fat life now? You know, to give our listeners a little bit of G's backstory, G's origin story. When I first sort of to start to discover kink, I went to one of my good friends who was the most sex positive person I knew, and I was like, "Look, I'm kind of interested in this stuff. Can you help me find resources?" And she pointed me towards my local kink education group, a book called Screw the Roses, Send Me the Thorns, and FetLife. Now, FetLife was very important in my development as a new kink person. It can be a very good resource, because a lot of people use FetLife as a way to organize events, as a way to keep in touch with local kink groups, It can be really helpful to find local munches. Have we defined
0: munches on this podcast? We might have talked about it in our first episode. I feel like the munch came up at least. But basically, yeah, it's an informal uh, gathering of kinky people normally at like a restaurant or a cafe someplace in public where...
1: Yeah, it's a way for kinky people to meet up and have discussions in a vanilla setting... Uh, without having to worry about the pressures right. of trying to set up play at a event at a club or yes, an event. very good for
0: intro, very good for meeting new people.
1: Yeah, so it's very so fetlife is very good for like finding munches. It's also since so many kinky people use it, a lot of times like there are a lot of people who I still only know them by their fetlife handle. I don't actually know their real name. Many people just go many people in the kink scene just go by their FetLife handle. You know, I would not be surprised if there's a few people who only know me by my handle, even though I'm fairly liberal about giving out my name at kink events. So, I've listed some of the pros of FetLife, and I also want to say what FetLife is. FetLife is very much not a dating website. There are groups that you can find which are about dating in your area or dating based off a shared fetish but it is explicitly not set up to be able to match people based off interests or geographic area. It is essentially a kinky version of Facebook. I think I think that's broadly the design of the website. Do you agree with me with that Em?
0: Yeah it's essentially kinky Facebook. And it's at least, in terms of the websites that have been attempted to create a sort of kinky Facebook, this has been the one that seems to be the most well-accomplished as of right now. Yes.
1: Now, our listeners, who may have never heard of FetLife before, and are thinking, this all sounds wonderful. Why, why in the world would you guys have not talked about this before? And that's because... FetLife has some issues. got a lot of issues. It has a lot of issues. Do you want to get started on this part, Am? I feel like you might have more
0: to say than I do. Well, let me take you back, because you gave your Fet Life story. Okay. So, you know, I turned 18. Yeah. I found Fet Life. You know, I was a freshman in college, and I was looking for kinky resources, and this is what I found Googling. And um, so I signed up for FetLife, and... It did, in fact, do the things that we have talked about. I got to find a local munch. I got to go to a local munch. I found out that information through FetLife. And a lot of munches and events will ask you to RSVP via FetLife or some other means. So FetLife can be good for RSVPing to events, letting people know that you're going. I was able to arrange to meet up with people before the munch because I was kind of intimidated by the idea of going to a whole group. Yeah. Um. So I was able to meet up with someone in a vanilla public space, and just so that way I would know someone before I went to this. So that was very helpful, um, and so I'm grateful for that aspect of Life that it can be good for finding local resources. And it's also interesting from an educational perspective to read things, what people you know write, to see photos of things, lots of rope artists will post their rope pictures on there.
1: So much rope.
0: So much. Lots of rope. If you like rope, you're going to find a lot of it there. And... And everywhere else, too. Actually...
1: So much rope.
0: It's, like... We'll come back to this later, but, like, there's no, there's rope on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. I liked also, you know, taking pictures and, and posting some pictures as well. And all of this was fine and good. But as I grew up in the kink scene... And as I got more involved in actually, like, going to events, teaching, and meeting people in the community, there was this dissonance between what I saw on FetLife and what was really going on. Um, So FetLife, first of all, it is, fa- like Facebook, it is a who's the most popular contest. Yes. You know, people are putting up their photos because they want the most loves, some people are friend collectors and friend have collectors, yeah, absolutely. thousands of friends. They're posting up their writings. They want the most comments. They want, you know, all of this attention. So very much like Facebook feels very much like a popularity contest. I found myself increasingly distanced from that because I didn't want to be in an environment that felt so competitive in that way, that felt so much like everybody needs the attention on them. And the second thing that I found was that there was a lot of issues coming up. You know, like you were saying, you know, on Face- or on FetLife, people talking about, um, like, drama in the scene. Now, sometimes this was just drama, like, just stuff going on. Sometimes it was very serious stuff, like accusations against people, consent violations, all this very serious stuff. And what I noticed was that, you know, like, there was a lot of people who were jumping on supporting, obviously, in a good way support people who have been affected yes but then like outside of FET life, we're like not acting in a supportive role in the actual community which I found was like there was like an online persona of who these people are in Fet mm-hmm. and then there's the offline in-person relationship that I saw Oh, well, actually those people aren't really supporting victims or those people aren't really doing the work in the community but they're posting about it a lot or and We see this with celebrities who end up being accused of consent violations sometimes. For example, do you mind me bringing up this one? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So I think JM, for short, was a good example of this. You know, always posting writings about supporting victims, feminist writings, all of this. Very much progressive. And then it turns out, you know, there had been many, many consent violations that he was guilty of. So there's a huge divide. And I found that my time on FetLife became me witnessing either the popularity contest situation or the this sort of performative allyship. Yeah. Performative allyship and very much like value signaling. And it became overwhelming. And it became exhausting. And actually, I had, I had posted a writing on Fet after the JM situation. Um, which for our listeners, I'm not going to get into it that much. I just wanted to, you know, say, you know, with someone who was accused of situations, no longer is involved in the scene. And after that, I posted a writing basically demanding that cis men in the scene step down. And yet I did list things like, if you actually want to keep running your events and you actually want to keep running venues in the kink scene, here's a checklist of things you should be doing then. Supporting trans people. Supporting people of color supporting queer people. I had like a checklist and yeah, my tone was pretty aggressive, but at this point I was kind of done with it. And I, I, I actually remember this writing. You remember this writing? Cause it got a lot of attention, a lot of, a lot of negative attention, but a lot of support too. And after that writing, it was so hard because there was people telling me all sorts of things, threatening me and saying really nasty transphobic things. It was so hard for me to go through that on FET, and actually there was a writing that came, several writings came in response to my writing, which is great, we're creating a dialogue, that's great. And one of the people who like basically was saying like, yes, she agreed with me, but also there were some other things to consider, later that same person actually came to me and in private said, I couldn't say this online because I was so afraid of the backlash that I would get, but I actually supported you 100%. So, I don't mean to scare our listeners. I think I just kind of got you know. Yeah, I mean
1: this is a <sighs> this is a complicated situation. Though I do want to backtrack for one second. You did use the word Fetlebrity, which I oh, just yes, want to Leopardy, clarify yeah. for our listeners is a portmanteau of fete life and celebrity. So somebody who's only famous on FetLife life is a fet celebrity. But going forward, unbacktracking. This is a complicated situation, because on one hand, I would not be where I am right now, both in the kink scene and in my personal life, and doing this podcast without joining Vet life. And in fact, in one of the earlier visions I had for this, for this thing, KNP, I initially drew the letters KNP from what was the kinky and popular section of FetLife, which was usually abbreviated as KNP. So that's where I initially drew the letters from to get kinky nerdy poly. So without FetLife, this podcast as it currently exists would not be happening. But on the other hand, there are a lot of issues with FetLife. There are some of the issues that M has described And this might be a theme that we're going to touch on not only in this podcast, on others. Like, on one hand, you want to be somewhat informed about what's going on and try to be... try to navigate yourself to the right side of issues. And on the other hand, it is incredibly exhausting to try to navigate yourself through all the various internet fights and drama between liberties, and who is accusing who of what consent violation, and should I still be supporting this event? Should I still... Like, there's a point where I just, like, I just want to go and do kinky things with people I like, and that feels
0: morally wrong because you don't know all the information. I think this is why I found a lot of peace of mind, Taking a, a large step back from fet life as well as the kink scene, because honestly, it's it's been a lot better for my mental health. Um, similarly, like people take Facebook breaks, people deactivate their Facebooks. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. I think also something that I didn't mention in terms of like the popularity contest too, because you had mentioned KNP or kinky and popular. Something about that is that it's also very heteronormative and it's also geared towards like skinny white girls and in rope. rope. That's the majority of it. It does get a little bit diverse every once in a while, but for the most part, it is skinny white girls in rope, or, and I'm sorry, I shouldn't say skinny in like a, that kind of way. I guess like stereotypically pretty, Stereotypically
1: attractive. Attractive. White yes. females. White females.
0: And you know, there is some diversity every once in a while, both in the kink and in the gender slash race slash, you know, identity kind of. Realm, but for the most part, that's it, and that doesn't really appeal to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, another really big issue, which didn't really affect me, it sounds like it may have affected you, is harassment. Much like regular social media, it is incredibly easy to create a new account and keep on harassing somebody, even if they've blocked your old account. This is not really a, an issue that affected me. I never really rose to a level of prominence. Uh Within the scene where I think it would have affected me, but it sounds like it may have affected
0: you. Do you want to talk about this, or do you think you've said your piece on it? The harassment for me mostly came in the form of the transphobia and threatening me and intimidating me. Of course, there's people who perceived me as being female and therefore would use feminine terminology in relation to me without asking. They would just write a write a fet message and it would have these femininely coded words that of course I've never even asked the person to call me that and I think that especially young women in particular are going to be victims of a lot of harassment. Uh,
1: I think young women and also anybody who sort of anybody who sort of rises to a level of prominence I feel like can be a victim of harassment especially women who rise to a level of prominence whether they are a well-known model who gets photographed a lot, if they're a teacher who teaches a lot of classes, if they are a prominent writer and their writing gets a lot of likes and responses. It is very easy to harass somebody on FetLife and there's now admittedly listeners, it has been about six months since I was last on FetLife, so I don't know if maybe they've changed something since I left. I really doubt it because this is a problem that affects all social media, not just vet life. But just really easy to just create an account and keep on harassing the same person over and over again. In fact, there's a term that I saw a lot, which I'm not sure if I've seen it on any other social media platform, uh, Sock Puppet.
0: Yeah, Sock Puppet, yep.
1: Uh, where it's just like, well, you've discarded one Sock Puppet, you put on a new one, keep on talking to the same person.
0: Yeah, that happens, and I've seen it in other platforms as well. Yeah. Slack, but...
1: So, I want to give our listeners the complete picture of how both M and myself feel about this platform. It can be a good resource, and it can also get exhausting, and there are lots of issues. Which I think applies to all social media, all not social, just FetLife. Yeah, Fet
0: yeah it's yeah, all social media for you. But I think it's exasperated in the FetLife community.
1: It is exasperated, partially because I feel like since it's a smaller community, it's like a it's like a pressure cooker in some ways. Like because it's brought closer together, it's put under more pressure and it seems like things explode more often on Fet Life than it does on other platforms.
0: Now do you have anything else on the Fet Life? On the
1: Fet Life? No.
0: And I would like to move on.
1: Alright. Let's move on. All right. I think the next one I put on our show notes was Tumblr.
0: Oh, thank goodness. Tumblr. All right. Love me some Tumblr. Apparently, we are loved on Tumblr. We are very loved on Tumblr. I can tell you exactly how many followers we have. We have 168 followers now. That's up two since I talked to you earlier. And we love our followers on Tumblr. M is the one who runs our Tumblr account. Yes, at KNP Podcast. One word. Now, Tumblr
1: has gone through some changes recently. I think before, well, let's just get it out of the way. There is the great porn ban of 2018, which I feel like caused a lot of people to leave Tumblr. Not just people who are interested in Tumblr only for the porn, but there are a lot of. I feel like niche communities on Tumblr, which I've not really seen replicated anywhere else. Absolutely. The one that sort of pops to mind is queening, mm-hmm. which is the gender-flipped version of cuckolding, where you're sort of cheating on your female partner for the purposes of humiliation or other... There are other sort of ways you can spin it, but I feel like humiliation and eroticism are sort of the big things. I've not really seen that niche sort of develop anywhere else. And I'm sure you can think of examples like that. But, you know, so many people have left Tumblr since the the great porn ban, uh, which M tells me has not actually been all that effective.
0: Yeah, so I'm still confused because it will still flag pictures of mine that I try to post that have any semblance of my, quote, female presenting nipples. Now did anyone ever (laughs) ask my nipples if they were female presenting? Did anyone think to ask them? No one has asked my nipples whether they are female presenting or not, but I can tell you as a non-female identified person that my nipples are likely not female presenting. Despite that, Tumblr does not like my nipples. So that sucks. And they get flagged, and so they don't like to have my nudes up. So I'm not really sure, because it seems like some porn is actually still showing up on my feed. And I'm baffled. I'm like, where, how are they getting a- around the porn thing? And I know you said about the algorithm, of course they might have some cool schnazzy ways. But yeah, it it seems to have mixed results. And I actually, I was like, yes, I'm going to leave and let's do it. But then, like after the porn ban was enacted, I didn't really see that much of a difference. Okay. Um, so even though there is less not safe for work content that's being put up there, like graphical content, I think it is still one of the best platforms out there for, especially in terms of education. I just really haven't found anything.
1: Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong. But one of your big fetishes is hypnosis. Yep. And I, I have the feeling that it is a lot easier to sort of engage with the hypnosis fetish without posting uh, not safe for work content.
0: Right. Exactly. So I ex- this is exactly highlighting this. Yeah. Mm. The hypno community is still fairly active. I mean, there were just there were a lot of hypno people who left, but I found that Hypno people are still pretty active. Even DS in terms of just a theoretical kind of philosophical realm of DS, still pretty active. So yeah, the I would say some of the communities, some of the niche communities that are, that were there are still there to some degree. Yeah. I really like Tumblr because what I found is that people would go for the porn, but they would stay for the education. So I've now talked to, you know, several people who... Went on to Tumblr to find their hypno porn, or went on to Tumblr to find their DS porn, or whatever their niche thing is, and they found it. But then simultaneously, they were exposed to like LGBTQ stuff. They were exposed to feminism. They were exposed to like what is systemic racism, and they started educating themselves. Mm-hmm. And of course, at first, they were like, "Oh, who needs this?" You know, but the way that Tumblr presents it is that. It's not really, because some platforms are a little bit more hostile.
1: Tumb- and, and we're going to get to that. We're going to get
0: to that. But Tumblr is not that hostile. I find that, you know, people put content out. People can reblog that. They can like it. They can comment. But it's less of an a back and forth between people that are going at each other's throats. And so people have the time to actually digest what they read. And another factor about Tumblr is that it is normally, like, more anonymous. Mm -hmm. So just like, you know, FetLife, I mean, obviously people have seen names. But especially if you're more prominent, you might not have your identity that dissociated from your FetLife. Yeah. With Tumblr, I find that people remain even more anonymous. They keep their identity even more separate. And I think when people are a little bit more anonymous, it allows for more constructive dialogue. And I, I know that this is contrary to what people might think. I think there might be a sweet spot here, because
1: I think complete anonymity leads to other platforms,
0: which I'm not going to discuss. Right, sure. Yes, there is a sweet spot, you're right. I, I have
1: found, in, in the limited time that I used Tumblr before the great, before the great porn ban, I did find it to be a somewhat... What's the word I want to use here? It seemed to be a somewhat more genial platform than the other platform, the other social media platforms that I've seen. I've completely forgotten where I was going.
0: That's okay. That happens. I um, So anyway, I, I have a friend who, you know, used Tumblr, really educated himself, and found that it actually enabled him to explore more parts of his identity. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is a really good, like you said, there's a sweet spot. It is anonymous, and then also there's a little bit of personal kind of situation. So... People go for the kink, they stay for the education. That's kind of how I feel about it. Okay. I have really been able to educate myself on topics that I was not aware of through Mm -hmm. Tumblr. And I think both the writing tends to be a lot better
1: on Tumblr. Well, it helps you're now limited to 140 characters.
0: Yes. Well, I guess it's now 280? 280 on Twitter. FetLife doesn't have... Obviously, FetLife can be longer writings, but I find that again on Tumblr it's just different the way that it's. It's put set out there. up in a different way. It's set up in a different way,
1: because FetLife is more based on Facebook. There's right. kind of a separation between the, the profile part. So there's like the news feed part, the profile part, and then there's the content that people put out part. In Tumblr, it's just kind of like you've got a small profile. And then your news feed is essentially all the content that other people are putting out.
0: Right. So I find that the quality of the writing tends to be better on Tumblr. You get more diverse opinions. You get to actually have that dialogue with people. You get Mm -hmm. to actually sit with what you're reading. And I actually find that in terms of like kinky photography and art that... It also tends to be better, and I get more diversity. Like, there's way more diversity. Like we were saying, niche communities, but not just niche communities, but also, like, a lot more things besides just heteronormativity. Okay. Is what I find. Now with the the Tumblr ban, the porn ban, we're seeing less of everything. And unfortunately, due to how the algorithm works, it does disproportionately target LGBTQ and minority communities. Yes. Unfortunately. But, overall, I would say, both the writing and the art is better on Tumblr.
1: Which leads to our next social media platform that we're going to be talking about, Facebook. So, it looks like we might have a little bit of disagreement here on the show notes. Yep. So, that's good. Disagreement leads to discussion. Let's see. So, my show note, which I was saying, if you are open about being kinky or poly or LGBT plus on Facebook... You should expect people to find out about it. Whether those people are your extended friends and family, future employers, they're doing a Facebook check on you. You should not expect it to stay only within your friends on Facebook. Uh, And you seem to have a different opinion on this?
0: Yeah, I think it really depends. So some people don't really do a deep Facebook check, first of all. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it really depends on, like, who is your employer What are they going to be looking for, you know? And also, like, you have an option on, like, what your privacy settings are on Facebook, so you can always share it with, like, a very select, minimal amount of people. So, like, only people. So you can use, like, filters, and you can be like, I only want to share this with my kinky friends. So filters can be helpful. So as long as you're not 100% open and all of your stuff is public, I think that this can be a really a depend situation.
1: Alright, so I understand where you're coming from. I think I still have to disagree with you. Because Facebook does a really good job of obfuscating your privacy settings. And it, and I've definitely seen situations where somebody is certain that they have set something in a certain way. So for example, I was in a now defunct polyamorous slash kinky Facebook group. And one person created a post for this secret Facebook group. It was posted to the group, and then that person's mother commented on the post. And her mother was not a part of the group. It was not put on her regular Facebook timeline, newsfeed, whatever it's called nowadays. It was put in the group. So I guess I, between Facebook trying to obfuscate privacy settings and the fact that everybody uses Facebook. And like any technology, Facebook is going to fail at times. If you post something on Facebook that is, that sort of outs yourself as kinky or polyamorous or transgender, I would not expect that to remain private. I would post that with the full expectation that if somebody searches for me, they're going to be able to find this if they want to.
0: I mean, I think then if you're really going to go to that length, I would say that anything that you do ever on the internet, obviously, if they somebody really wants to look hard enough, of course they can find it.
1: Well, yeah, but I feel like Facebook I feel like Facebook presents a specific because so many people use it, because it has dedicated itself to being so searchable. It is a difference in degree, but also a difference in kind. Because so many people use it. So yes, if somebody wanted to do a deep enough search on the internet and do reverse image searches, they could probably, and you know, check the web archive for old versions of FetLife, they could probably figure out who I am based off my FetLife profile, even though my name is not on there. Sure.
0: Of course they could.
1: But that requires a significant amount of work and technical knowledge that I think searching Facebook does not require. Facebook has made itself as easy as possible to search for for people on purpose because the people who use the platform are its assets.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think again, I think it's an it depends situation. I know people who are pretty open about being kinky or swingers or whatever, polyamorous, all sorts of stuff. And Have very good jobs, have never had an issue, and are are pretty open about it, you know. And if they're, I mean, and I've talked to them, they said like, oh, if my employers ask, I'll just be open about it. And
1: well, that's a different situation if the employer, if they think their employer is going to be okay about it.
0: Well, I think I don't think they they care. I think I think that's the case of like this is my take on it too. Is like, okay, if somebody's going to hire me, they're going to be have to be okay that these are. Like, if they do a deep enough search and they're like, oh, okay, this person does kink, and that's not a cool, then why would I want to work for you anyway? That's just my opinion. Okay. Like, that's my private life. Like, you shouldn't be discriminating against me based on that. So that's just my, my opinion. And again, like, not everybody has to take that approach. I just think, yes, of course, there are going to be privacy issues about Facebook. But also, there's a lot of, like, good things about Facebook. And I know some trans people who are not out yet, called Hmm. eggs or maybe no that's like young trans people maybe no i think it's when you're not out yet it's like you haven't really like fully embraced it eggs they i I haven't heard
1: this one before
0: yeah trans eggs so you know they're like incubating okay and they'll go on to like these private facebook groups about being trans to get support and so it's a really good resource again they can find people who can really support them Does that mean there might be a slight risk that someone in their family finds out or an employer finds out? Maybe, but I think the chances of that are still low. And I think if they're going to get the benefit of having those resources, I still think that, I mean, obviously you have to do your own risk assessment. You have to do your own risk assessment. But I think in those cases, like, I'm glad that they can find people that can support them. All right. So that's just my opinion. And, of course, yeah, employers do still discriminate on the basis of these things, even if they're not supposed to. So even, you know, where there is LGBTQ protections. Yeah. So something that's cool about Facebook is that I did find a kind of kinky, asexual group on Facebook. And I've really enjoyed it so far. Um, So it's very cool to get to meet people who are similarly minded and everything. But it does also associate my name with it. Um, And I, I take that risk. It's interesting to see... On Facebook, like talking about rope, and rope is everywhere now because rope is a huge kink. It's like its own subculture, actually, I think kink is now even like rope is kind of its own thing, even
1: yeah, I think you could argue that yeah. fairly convincingly, yeah, I mean i have I've done a fairly i think as our listeners can able to can figure out from what I've said, I've done a fairly good job of separating my identity, my kink identity from Facebook. But Facebook has still given me advertisements for floggers.
0: I've never gotten that. Really? Yeah, and I'm very open. But what's interesting is I have found on um, Facebook, I'll find sometimes, like, rope tutorials and things. Mm -hmm. Not from random people, from groups. And even though it's, like, in a group that is specifically aimed towards kinky people, it just always fascinates me that there is rope on Facebook, even to begin with. Because, like... Years ago, I wouldn't have associated that with Facebook. It was, like, vet Life. That's where you would find the rope stuff. Now, I'm on Facebook, and I'm seeing, like, here's how to do this body harness. And, you <laughs> know, it's crazy to think about that.
1: Did I ever tell you about the time where I went to Gen Con, and I saw that they had rope classes at Gen Con?
0: Oh, my God, you did tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, even at a... Uh, even at this n- a nerdy event,
1: yeah. So I think this was the second time I went to Gen Con. This was the first year that I went with my partner T. Because the first time I went to Gen Con, I just went by myself, and I wasn't seeing T at this point. So I went with my partner T, and I was looking at the I was looking at all the events. So you know, I go through all the RPG events, through all the board gaming events, all the tabletop. Well, I skipped the tabletop gaming events because I'm not into tabletop wargaming. You know, then I eventually get to the miscellaneous category. And then I notice that there is a long series of classes which are just entitled Rope Workshops. And I think to myself, this can't be what I think it is. My mind obviously has just gone to the gutter. And this is just some sort of like Boy Scout class or something. I don't know, survival class. I go and I look at the description. And it was... Come to this workshop to learn how to tie knots with your partner. <laughs> rope will be provided as part of the
0: fee for taking this class. And I was like, oh, this is exactly what I thought it was. It's becoming such a big thing. It's like, it's almost like it's the intro kink now. In fact, people that know that I'm active in the kink scene, they don't even, they might not know that I actually do rope or that I can teach rope or anything. But I had an old Buddhist friend reach out to me. And ask me if I knew anything about rope. Do you have any resources? Can you... I was like, wow. Like, it's... It really is kind of like its own big thing that that's... It's almost now becoming... It's simultaneously its own thing and also becoming associated with kink as, like, when people think kink, they're like, oh, can you tie someone up? Yeah. It's like, that's the skill that you have to have, right? It's no longer blindfolds and floggers. Now it's...
1: As somebody who can't tie a knot to save his life can be super frustrating. But that is a topic for another time, because we're going to go on to our next platform. Yep.
0: Twitter. Oof. Ooh right. The hostile one. So, Twitter. Twitter. tweet, sweet. Yeah. So. Thank you for running the Twitter, G.
1: <laughs> You're welcome, ma'am. Uh, I don't quite know where to start. I think, I think the first place I'm going to start with is that I never really used Twitter before I started running this podcast. I did have a Twitter account where I think I made a grand total of 12 tweets over the lifetime of the account. I think everybody who I followed was just a friend of mine in real life. I didn't follow anybody famous on Twitter. So I start a Twitter for the podcast, at KMP Podcast, in case anybody wants to follow us on Twitter. And I noticed some things. And I want to be real clear with our listeners. 240 characters, while it is double from and, 280 characters, which is double of the old 140 characters, does not give you a lot of space to express complex and nuanced ideas.
0: That it does not.
1: Which is a problem I knew I was going to have before I started, because I tend to be very, well, partially I tend to be very verbose just in my writing. I tend to, and I have to like pare down my tweets anyway and try to use, you know, less language to begin with. But also I tend not to have my, the positions I tend to hold always tend to have a lot of complexity and nuance to them. And I have not found Twitter to be a very welcoming platform for that.
0: It is not. M
1: briefly joined me on the Twitter account, and then about three days later, stopped joining me on the Twitter account.
0: I will occasionally post a thing. I do not engage anymore.
1: So there is this problem of trying to express complex and nuanced ideas, which butts up against another problem which is because, so unlike Facebook or FetLife, you are always performing on Twitter. Like on Facebook or FetLife, you have your friends, and there's the possibility that if like you write a writing that becomes popular enough, like other people can start interacting with you. But for the most part, it is just you and your friend circle. That is not the case on Twitter. On Twitter, I have noticed that for a lot of people I follow, there is this, real high performative aspect to it. It can't be that you express a complex and nuanced position. You either must love a thing because it is lovable, or you must hate a thing because it is detestable.
0: That summarizes Twitter pretty well. And
1: and it it also shares a lot of the problems that both Facebook and FetLife have, which is that, you know, you're receiving this constant deluge of information and crises and drama and it just becomes and like i said before it is exhausting to try to sort through it all and it feels morally wrong to not try to sort through it all and you're you're put into this impossible situation of like i just want to have a somewhat relaxing experience using the social media platform and that becomes impossible so you'll notice that when I use Twitter, I am mostly interacting with people who are into RPGs, role-playing games, into one form or another. I do follow other other kinky podcast Twitters. Uh, I have not really had the chance to interact with them. Partially because I have not gotten around to actually listening to their podcast, so it's hard for me to interact with them on that. I'd also say that Twitter is actually really hard to find a specific niche or community or fetish that you're trying to look for. Like, you're you're literally just following people. I guess maybe hashtags. I've not really figured out how hashtags work. I haven't really, like... I think you're supposed to create them, but also supposed to use ones that are already created. I'm not quite sure what hashtags I should be using.
0: Hashtags are weird because they kind of go through phases. Like, uh, at one point, it was, like, super popular to use hashtags on Twitter. Then it went away... Then it was, like, super popular to use them on Instagram. Then they were like, no, you have to put them in this part of Instagram. We don't, we're don't. we not even going to talk about Instagram. Although there is also kink on Instagram.
1: I mean, if you want to talk about it, you can. I literally have never used Instagram in my life. Um, well, no, that's a lie. I do follow one comic on Instagram.
0: Well, they do have very hard rules in terms of just, like, the Tumblr ban. Okay. They have very hard rules in terms of, like, nudity and things like that. So you're not going to get a lot of that. Um, so artists have to be very careful about what they're putting up. But it's it's mostly photography and it's mostly art. Okay. And sometimes motivational quotes. Um, so I would say largely, you know, it's picture-based. Mm, that's the whole idea. I would say Twitter, uh, Instagram is, like, not very good for kink education. Yeah. But maybe you'll find a couple things.
1: You might find some images that are arousing to you which may not violate Instagram's right. policy.
0: Yes. And if you like food porn lots of food porn on Instagram. I would definitely go to Instagram for food porn.
1: No, no. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. People photographing their food all the time. But yeah, like with Twitter, it seems harder to find these communities and fetishes
1: because you're just following individual accounts which are either brand
0: it's on brand or it's a individual person. Right. And so I talked to some people about this and I found out That unlike other platforms, it's easy to see what people like and follow on Twitter, as opposed to other platforms. So like on Facebook, you can't go to my Facebook and see like everything I've ever liked. And on Tumblr, there are settings about that. You can either like have your likes or right or Mm -hmm. not. And there's a lot of setting control. On Twitter, you can see what other people have liked. And you can see what they've commented on. So if you are going to like or follow a kinky account like at KNP Podcast, other people are gonna know you're following them. Yeah,
1: and it's why I've not really tried to it's not really it's not really why I've made a call for people to follow the Twitter account because right. I realize that it is very publicly announcing that you are following a kinky account. And it's why I think the one time that I asked for in the bonus episode when I asked for feedback I said you could send me Twitter DMs. Uh, And I would respond to those. But yeah, there's this highly performative and public aspect to Twitter that I think is both a feature and a bug. Uh, And I think that's enough about Twitter.
0: Unless you want to tweet some more about it. I think that's good with Twitter. I think we're going to go to our last platform, which we don't have much to say about.
1: We don't have much to say. We're going to be talking about Reddit. And Reddit is a... I feel like Reddit is a little bit of the oddball when it comes to social media platforms, because it seems like it's both a social media platform and it's not. Like, it is a social media platform in that it is a way to sort of engage with communities. There is no sort of, like, follow or friend feature. I don't know. Reddit is weird. Reddit is very weird. Confusing. I, and in the time that I've used Reddit, I've mostly lurked on various... Reddit subreddits that are that that I want to use, you know, board gaming, RPGs, computer games, stuff like that. So it is possible to go onto Reddit and find a. So each, I assume our. Li- okay, I'm going to rewind a little bit for our listeners. Reddit is like a. If you don't know what Reddit is, Reddit is like a, an amalgamation of several different forums. And you can choose which forums you want to follow. These forums are known as subreddits. And on your home, and whatever subreddits you choose to follow, you can either go look at that specific subreddit and only see content on that particular forum, or you can look at your homepage, which will be a mixture of all the various subreddits that you follow. There is a lot of porn on Reddit. You can find lots of subreddits devoted solely to porn.
0: Still, that's crazy. That still amazes me. I know there is, but it still amazes me. Why is it amaze you? Because Reddit from, you know, like, from my experience with it is more of a discussion-based platform. Mm-hmm. So to know that there is a lot of porn and a lot of, like, photos and photography and art, it's still, like, yes, I know you can do that. And it still is just mind-boggling. And you can find you can find kinky
1: communities on... Which is, like,
0: more what I expect,
1: yeah, you can find key communities on, and and specific niches, there's like a, there's like a bimbification subreddit.
0: Not surprising.
1: There's a lot of various subreddits right. that you can go to, to try to find like your niche or your community. I know that
0: there's like an FTM porn yeah. specific subreddit.
1: Yeah. I guess, I would like to caution our listeners, because there are definitely some subreddits which... While they have kinky practices, I do not think have. I think they have different values than from the kink community as a whole. And I'm going to call out one subreddit in particular. Uh, it's one that I found and I've been a little troubled by ever since I found it. This, and for our listeners, I'm going to put a little bit of a content warning right here because I'm going to be talking about sexual assault over the next couple minutes. So if you don't want to listen to this, I suggest you skip ahead about five minutes and I'm going to try to put a timestamp or time in the show notes. Significant pause for our listeners who don't want to listen to triggering stuff. So the subreddit I want to talk about is r slash rape kink. So I found this a while ago because as I've told our listeners, I am into consensual non-consent. However... On re- on the subreddit, r slash rape kink, I have found that there is this troubling behavior, which they post about, which the users of the subreddit post about. Obviously, people talk about the internet. They make up stories on the internet. But enough people post about it that I find this behavior unsettling. And it is this behavior known as rape baiting. Uh, this is the concept of a person going out... For the express purpose of trying to find somebody to rape them. And I find this troubling on a lot of different details. But broadly speaking, I feel like this is a practice that normalizes and enforces the current rape culture of, in America that we should be trying to dismantle. And I, while I have not spoken up in the subreddit, I have seen other people try to speak up about it. And essentially, those discussions get shut down real fast. And there are all sorts of arguments that people come up with in defense of this practice. Like, you know, they're taking one that would not happen. That, you know, they're taking one for the team, which would happen to somebody else who didn't want it to happen to them, and so on and so forth. I find a lot of things problematic with this. And, you know, there are other communities like this that have their own sort of problematic behaviors or tendencies or ideologies and there are also subreddits out there which are just problematic in general and I'm not going to name check them because I don't want to I don't want to spread awareness of them but you know I'm sure an informed listener can make an educated guess about which ones I'm talking about so I guess that's what I have to say. Like, you can use Reddit to find porn. You can use it to find communities. You can fi- use it to find niche communities. I would advise people to be very careful about which niche communities you go to. Because there can be some very problematic behaviors on subreddit, on Reddit. And this is going to be the end point. So whatever time this ends up with on the podcast... I'll be finishing. I'll be putting this in the show notes to let listeners know they can rejoin, right, here.
0: Awesome. All right. Thanks for that uh, discussion about Reddit because I wasn't aware of that. Um, in as much depth as you are, so thank you. Um, I think we've covered all of the platforms that we wanted to. Also, I apologize because I was clicking my pen a lot. Um, It's fine. But I think that's all for our topic on kink and social media. Yeah, it's getting kind of hot here in the closet. Yeah, it's getting hot in here, so I think we're going to take off all your clothes, something like that.
1: Something like that. Okay, sorry. Uh so I think we're ready to do our sign off. Sign off? off.
0: Alright. Well this is M. This is G. Whoa. What was that? I don't know. We're gonna start over on that. We'll make sure that our recording is still going. Yeah, okay, it's still that's going. weird. Alright, let's start that again. Uh maybe scroll down a bit, yeah. Well this is M. This is G. Don't be afraid to love how you love. Love what you love. And love who you love. If you'd like
1: to get in touch with either M or myself, you can tweet us at KnP Podcast. You can find us at KnP com. or you can email us at kinky.nerdy.polly at gmail.com.
0: What a shame. Look at all that noise. Look at all that noise. Well, you know, we have our professional table now. Professional table. So, like, you know, we used to podcast on the floor. Yes. And I was very comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. I like podcasting on the floor. Yeah. I like being on the ground. Mm Mm-hmm. Very nice. I've gotten used to podcasting in your closet on the floor. Mm-hmm. That's our deal. Yes. We are closet floor podcasters, but we have upgraded to closet table podcasters. All right. This is the next level.
1: And I've just realized another issue we're going to have. Which is? That. Oh, yep. Which is why I just put my glass...
0: On the ground instead of back on the table. Yeah, that's going to be a huge thing. I had already predicted several of these problems. I mean, you say you predicted,
1: yeah, but you didn't actually voice any
0: of these predictions. I to didn't me. because I, th- you went out of your way to like get this nice table and to get these chairs in here. Yeah. So instead of like mentioning that, mentioning the potential problems, I just said, you know, I'm just more comfortable on the ground.
1: Okay. I mean. We could just take this table out of here and podcast on the ground if you feel like you'd be more comfortable.
0: Yeah, I would be more comfortable, but I kind of like that we feel a little professional. Okay. I kind of like that. Um... I'm just, yeah, I mean, it's going to be worrisome because I'm going to be definitely, like, doing stuff. I mean, we have a table now, so. Yeah. I'm going to be messing around on here because this is who I am. I'm going to be oh, picking up this. I'm going to be taking a nice big old set, putting that back down there. You can, you can put it down the ground like I did. And this, that's inconvenient. Then we might as well be on the ground, right? Maybe I'll put it right here. This is a nice little space. Yeah. You can put it in with your pants, put yeah. your water in with your pants.
1: put put my water where it belongs in my pants.